politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, American Patriots, to the one and only Conservative Review podcast here at Blaze Media. This is Daniel Horowitz back in the house for another amazing week here of independent conservative thought. Welcome back to the revolution. It's August 19th. It's Monday. And we got a lot to talk about, even though it's a sleepy August recess with pretty much everyone on vacation. Heck, even the press people in government are just uh, they're out. They don't they don't respond to any of my requests for a lot of the articles I'm working on. And you want to go to conservativereview.com to get all of those articles. We have a lot of good stuff up today from myself, from Nate Madden. Go to our YouTube page and subscribe to this program at our conservative review page and make sure to ring that bell and like our shows because we really need to spread the word because frankly we need an alternative to the political class we need a bold contrast not a faint and pathetic echo embodied in this so-called conservative movement and the so-called republican party we have descended into anarchy As we've noted over the last number of days on this program, last number of years, when we started this uh, show through audio and our writings at Conservative Review the last five or so years, if you look at the border, you look at sanctuary cities, you look at crime, what you have in this country is rather than equal opportunity and equal punishment under the rule of law, we have special protected classes supplanting our constitutional governance. And yet at a time when we have all this anarchy going on with the border, with a lack of interior enforcement, with Antifa running loose and cops not doing anything about it, yet Democrats are relentlessly focused on taking away our Second Amendment rights, our rights to have, yes, 15 rounds, because frankly, if you look at the Antifa rallies, in Portland, you'll see there's a reason why there might come a time when we do need extended uh, capacity magazines, not just for convenience at the at the shooting range, so you don't have to keep changing um, or reloading your your magazines. But when cops don't do their job, when at a local and federal level, our government doesn't fulfill its most solemn promise to the sovereign people of this country. That is exactly why we have a Second Amendment. And yet Republicans, in a faint and pathetic echo, rather than going on offense on all these aforementioned issues, what are they doing? They're following what the Democrats and the left want. And we're going to talk about that today through the prism of Governor Greg Abbott, the much-vaunted conservative Republican Texas, tough Texas law and order, yeah, right, governor there. You know, today is a special day in a bad way. Sometimes we like commemorating, marking certain dates. Today, August 19th, on this day in history, 1976, Gerald Ford won the nomination for the Republican nominee as president in 1976 against Ronald Reagan in Kansas City. And back then, it was a gut punch to conservatives. They came so close. And, you know, the establishment just took over 
and we nominated the wrong man. We wound up getting Jimmy Carter. And we went into the wilderness wondering, where is that bold contrast from the left? Now, I think many of you would love to go back to 1976 version of liberalism. It was more conservative than conservatives of nowadays. And yet even then, Reagan said we need bold colors, not pale pastels. Yet when it comes to all these issues, and most importantly, the seminal issue that Reagan was talking about back then, which is being tough on crime, law and order, being, getting out of the way of the peaceful citizen, but being tough in deterring and punishing those who are violent in this country, those who are dangerous, whether they be foreign threats through illegal immigration, through terrorism, whether it's domestic threats through groups like Antifa and through individual repeat offenders that aren't locked up. Conservatives agreed with the silent majority in this country under Reagan to start pursuing an agenda to deal with that. And now here we are, almost a half century later, going backwards. You know, in light of what was going on this weekend with Antifa in Portland, and everyone's asking, where are the cops? Where are the cops? It doesn't make sense. Where are they? And I'm certainly not the only one doing that. A lot of my colleagues are talking about this. But what they're not talking about is that when it actually comes to the policies that will affect the outcome of these quasi-cultural flashpoints we all talk about on social media, the Republicans are in bed with the most extreme elements of the Democrats on this stuff. Let me just first read to you, just to set the table on this issue, um, my favorite go-to person, former President Calvin Coolidge, one of the greatest American presidents. He said this on Memorial Day of 1927. So he gave a lot of great speeches on Memorial Day. This one was in 1927. Might have been in Arlington. I have to check it up. Might have been in Arlington National Cemetery. But he spoke about, you know, the need to have an, a strong America at home that's worth fighting for, that's worth sending troops into battle to defend. You have to have a constitutional republic to defend. And he said, the integrity of the union rests on the Constitution. Unless that great instrument is to be the supreme law of the land, we could have no union worthy of our consideration. In its original inception, it was the product of prayerful consideration by the best endowed minds that were ever turned to political deliberation. Although it was drafted in convention, it represented the mature thought of the country. Into it went the genius of Adams and Jefferson, of Franklin and Madison, of Hamilton and Washington. It has been expounded by Webster and other statesmen in the Congress, adjudicated by Marshall and other magistrates on the bench, with its three independent departments, the executive, legislative, and judicial, it established a Republican form of government, incomparable in the guarantees of order and liberty, order and liberty, with which it has endowed the American people. As a charter of freedom and self-government, it is unsurpassed by any political document which ever guided the destinies of a people. And then he went on to say, that we have made our place in the world through the union and the constitution. We have flourished as a people because of our success in establishing self-government. But all of these results are predicated upon a law-abiding people. If our own country should be given over to violence and crime, it would be necessary to diminish the bounds of our freedom 
to secure order and self-preservation. In whatever direction we may go, we are always confronted with the inescapable conclusion that unless we observe the law, we cannot be free. Unless we are an industrious, orderly nation, we can neither minister to our own requirements or be an effective influence for the good of the world. All of these things come from the hearts of the people. So long as they have the will to do right and the determination to make sacrifices, our institutions will stand secure at home and respected abroad. It is to those had it is to those had that will who showed that determination that we do today honor. And that was again on Memorial Day of 1927. This sits at the fundamentals of governance. Again, we have a government primarily to maintain order and security, which ultimately defends our liberties. See, if I can't walk outside because Antifa mobs are just, you know, beating people, and I don't want to hear this business, oh, there's there's both sides doing this. I don't know who the Proud Boys are, these so-called right-wing groups and whatever. Um, I don't see violence from them. Now, would I necessarily go to Portland and try to inflame these guys? No, but you do have a First Amendment right to just, you know, hey, I'm going to have a rally for President Trump, and they don't have a right to get violent on you. The violence, see, there's stupid First Amendment free speech, but then there's free speech. And then there's violence, which is not First Amendment, and there's running around with masked faces, and that should be banned. I'm sorry, but that should be banned to go in a violent posture in large numbers with masked faces. That should be banned. How about that as a piece of legislation we need to be talking about, Republicans? But that infringes upon everyone's liberties. Again, when you have a federal government that allows our boat crew in the Rio Grande River to get shot at 50 50, over 50 automatic rounds fired into our boats at the river, which in any other era would have been an act of war. Ten days later, we still have done nothing about the cartels. We don't enforce our immigration laws. They could sue us. We can't sue them for being a drain on our taxpayers and creating so much crime, gangs, and drugs. And then on a local level, we, we have the cops being constrained in the face of Antifa. We have cops being constrained in the face of criminals throughout this country. And here's where the main part of the show comes in. At a time when Republicans need to offer a bold contrast on law and order, on fighting anarchy, on defending the sovereign citizen, the peaceful citizen, and empowering their Second Amendment rights, while going after criminals, known criminals, no. Instead, they plan to come back in two, three weeks and join with the Democrats in these so-called red flag laws to cast wide nets on broad constitutional rights, on the Second Amendment, on First Amendment, on due process, and label people as dangerous and take away their guns when we have people on camera, out in the open, being violent as anything, and police won't even go after them. When we have known repeat offenders that are paroled, let out of prison, undersentenced, never sentenced, and nothing's being done. And not only that, the entire Republican Party and billions of dollars being pumped into the conservative movement by the Koch brothers, hundreds of millions of dollars, is all going towards 
validating the agenda of Cory Booker, of Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, and, and George Soros. You might have heard over the weekend, Attorney General William Barr gave a speech at the Fraternal, uh, yeah, it was the Fraternal Order of Police, talking about the danger of these progressive prosecutors that are refusing to prosecute, like this Larry Krasner guy we spoke about last week in Philadelphia. On oh, the left is going nuts about him. But I'll tell you, we have people on the right that are all bought into this. Some of you might have seen that Bernie Sanders unveiled a proposal for a massive overhaul of the criminal justice system. This is from Politico here. The ambitious nearly 6,000-word proposal seeks to remake the nation's prisons, police departments, courts, drug laws, and treatment of people who have mental illnesses with a full-throated progressive agenda. The plan calls for banning cash bail, solitary confinement, and civil asset forfeiture. Um, it uh, looks to legalize marijuana, abolish the death penalty, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And the thing is, you know, a lot of my colleagues are saying, oh, look at what Bernie wants to do. The problem is all of our side, the conservative base in this country doesn't recognize that Republicans and the Koch brothers and the Texas Public Policy Foundation, whose former political director, Brooke Rollins, is working in the White House promoting Bernie Sanders agenda. They don't disagree with one iota of the Bernie Sanders criminal agenda. They are being pro-criminal. Every aspect of this agenda from the Texas Public Policy Foundation, which now owns Governor Greg Abbott, they support every facet of this agenda rather than looking at all of the ways to close the loopholes on criminal aliens, repeat criminal offenders of all sorts, the under-sentencing problem for the people that we should all agree are violent, like we said last week with the statistics, you could let out every single drug trafficker, and among them are many, many, many people who have been initially arrested for murder and robbery, but were, you know, but, but pled down. But even if you took them out of the universe, if we would actually find and convict and fully sentence those who commit murder, armed robbery, rape, aggravated assault in this country, the prison population would swell over and beyond what it is now, well beyond what it was at the peak of incarceration in the early 2000s. Because we're not addressing the source of violent crime. We have now two liberal parties, a Marxist party and a liberal party, all focused on, oh, we need to treat the symptom of too much incarceration. How about treating the problem of violent crime, of dangerous criminals, property crimes as well? that are going unreported. How about working with the victims of crime? You know, the Koch brothers put out over the weekend um, this tweet they had all about, oh, we're meeting with so many people, the criminals doing good for them. What about meeting with victims of crimes, you schmucks? There's not an iota of difference between the Kochs and Soros. That's the duopoly right there. The Kochs funding the phony Orwellian perfidist conservative Inc. groups and Soros funding the liberal groups and they come together and agree on the major issues of our time. And those of us that are just, you know, peaceful law-abiding Americans are left out in the dry, left out in the cold. So this happened on Thursday. There was a town hall 
from Governor Greg Abbott. And he says he now supports ban the box legislation. This is the legislation that some states like New York and New Jersey have done um, against private companies, many other states for government workers saying that you can't put a box, so called, so to speak, a box on the employment application asking for criminal history. It hurts, it harms those trying to re-enter society. That's what they say. Until a couple of years ago, this was the most radical fringe left. Now we have people like Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott, thanks to the losers at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, promoting this crap. We want every man and woman in the state to have their own chance at the unique brand of economic prosperity that Texas offers. It doesn't matter if you have, uh, if you have an arrest record. We want you to have a job. Again, that, that sounds nice. But, you know, and then also you went on to praise Brooke Rollins as former, you know, uh, leader of the Texas, Texas Public Policy Foundation funded by the Kochs and now a member of the Trump administration who, along with Jared and Ivanka, got Trump to pass the massive jailbreak first step of destroying our criminal justice system on a federal level following the beautiful things they did at a state level. Let me tell you something, folks. We need a revolution against this nonsense. You have the most respected prominent Republicans agreeing with Bernie Sanders. So first off, it's, it's important to point out all these libertarians are like, your government's being too tough on criminals, big government. Hey, nothing says libertarian bozo like mandating the Buddha government on private businesses who you're allowed to hire. You know, it's funny when it comes to minimum wage laws, we all agree, con traditional conservatives and libertarians, that, that it's stupid, it doesn't work, there's unintended cons consequences. When you try to use the boot of, of government mandates to socially engineer economics and social behavior and decision making, it winds up just, you know, when you put pressure on a balloon one area, it's going to come out another area. So they wind up, for example, with minimum wage mandates, they wind up cutting out those jobs and it harms those very people you're trying to help. And it's a similar thing here. Not only are you harming the taxpayers in the case of government workers doing it with government contracts that, you know, we don't want criminals with access to the sensitive, um, sensitive government contracts and information. You're hurting private businesses. They, they don't want criminals on their premises. But you're also hurting. See, this is all about racial politics, of course, because we're never equal administration of justice. It's always like, well, too many blacks in prison. Well, I mean, show me one conviction that was invalid. I mean, that, that's nonsense. But it's all about racial politics, both on the phony right and on the left. But you actually wind up hurting blacks more than anything else. You know, the, the Boston Federal Reserve Bank did a study on this when Massachusetts was doing this in 2010. And they found that it actually harms it, black employment by several percentage points. This is um, from Mike McCage from Governing Magazine on the October 2016 issue. In one study, University of Michigan researchers submitted 15,000 fictitious job applications before and after ban-the-box policies went into effect in New Jersey and New York City. Using distinctive applicant names to imply race, they measured whether employers either requested an interview or asked applicants to call them back. Employers contacted all black applicants at a rate of 
following enactment of the policy. That's an improvement for blacks with convictions, but a decline for those with clean records who had previously received callback, callbacks at a rate of 12.7%. So notice it harmed blacks who didn't have a criminal record. Another study published by the National Bureau of Economic Research in July suggests that young black men without college degrees were on average 3.4 percentage points less likely to be employed under ban the box and young Hispanics were 2.3% points less likely to be working. The study, which controlled for region-specific employment shocks and individual characteristics, also found larger unintended effects when unemployment was high. The negative effects further worsened over time. Five or more years after enactment of Ban the Box, the likelihood of employment for young black men without college degrees had declined an average of 7.7 percentage points. And look, the point is, folks, the point is very simple here. That people's behaviors are going to stay the same. They're just going to use different methods. If you don't want criminals to be employed and government says, I can't have access to that information, you're just going to come up with other ways of doing it. And, and what the studies have shown is that all the people that are upset about discrimination, they see black-sounding names. They're like, dude, I mean, they have a higher proclivity for criminal rates. You stay away from them. You wind up hurting them. It's the same thing with minimum wage laws. But all these libertarians that are very free market and unlimited government, evidently not so when it comes to their progressive social agenda. They're willing to use government mandates to implement their pro-crime agenda, and it hurts blacks with clean criminal records. This used to be a radical idea, and now every Democrat supports it, and pretty much most prominent so-called conservatives and, and, and Republicans. So the Antifa agenda is being implemented by Republicans. That's what this is how they win 50-year cultural battles overnight without firing a shot. See, if Democrats started with a pro-criminal um, agenda and Republicans actually publicized it and, and, and made them pay for it and said, you guys are doing what? And they ran ads on it, ran Willie Horton ads. Democrats would get crushed. But instead, because Republicans agree with them, there's no adversity. I am the equal time. I'm pretty much the only one speaking out against the whole criminal justice deform movement. So what's happening is the Democrats are having Republicans implemented for them so they don't get punished for it. They get their cake and eat it too. But where the hell is Governor Greg Abbott focusing on his own state being invaded? The cartels, the border. I barely hear the guy talking about it in this 15 to 18 month surge now at the border. I barely hear it. It's pathetic. Where is he talking about the Kenyan illegal alien who is now accused of smothering nine seniors to death with a pillow in the Dallas area. The investigation is still ongoing. There's a trial now. I've never even heard him bring it up, much less bring it up in the context of this guy's immigration history and the fact that we're not closing the loopholes, the criminal alien loopholes that allow people who should be deported to remain in the country. I'm not hearing him talking about the people with criminal records. I mean, at least if you want to be lenient on A and B in the criminal justice system, parlay that against 
stringencies, but I don't hear him talking about that. Instead, he's like, oh, white supremacy this and white supremacy that. And look, if you believe in equal opportunity, law and order, you don't need hate crimes. You don't need to look into this stuff because that guy that shot shot up 22 people in El Paso under my system, he would have been publicly hung already. Why isn't uh, Greg Abbott talking about bringing back public hangings in Texas for, for mass shooters? How about that? That would have a much bigger deterrent. The humiliation behind that, the no guts and glory behind that, all these people seeking attention. No, instead, what's the common denominator? They focus on whatever the media and the political class tell us, tells them to focus on. So it's white supremacism and it's criminal justice reform. So Greg Abbott, why do we need you? Everyone's talking about the danger of Texas turning purple, turning blue. It already turned blue. And it's worse than that, because, again, if the Democrats ever won in Texas, at least they would get thrown out of power the very next election because their radicalism wouldn't be in sync with what the people want there. But here you have Republicans implementing blue policies without the blue wave getting punished for it. That is Greg Abbott for you. So don't tell me there's any virtue. The media tells you to focus on criminal justice reform. You focus on it. Tells you to focus on white supremacism. You focus on it. They don't tell you to focus on the death penalty. More stringency on, on, on known criminals and criminal aliens and the border. So you don't focus on it. But it's worse than that. It's worse than that. Texas has the worst jailbreak programs around. Do you know that they have parole programs for those convicted of murder? So don't tell me, oh, this is Daniel. This is just a guy caught with some drugs. I don't want to ruin his life for the, for the rest of his life where he can't get a job and he's in prison. No, they're not enforcing law and order on first degree murderers. This passed just around the time this stupid First Step Act passed. Nobody reported on this. I mentioned it on my show. I didn't get a chance to write an article on it. This was last December 2nd, about eight months ago. Houston's Fox affiliate, Fox 26. On December 2nd, sheriff's deputies say 57-year-old Kenneth Hubert killed his 50-year-old common-law wife, Melanie Johnson, outside of a Scottish inn in northern Harris County. Pastor Clarence Jones was shocked to hear that since Hubert was supposed to be serving a life sentence for murdering the pastor's sister. Quote, that in itself would kind of give you the understanding that he's not going to come out again. And he also received a 99-year sentence, Jones said. The 99 years the jury gave Hubert in addition to the life sentence was for kidnapping a woman while running from police after the murder. That all happened in 1988. And then Jones says, after his sister, Linda declined to file domestic abuse charges against her husband. Hubert killed her. When my sister opened the door, he had a gun and shot her four times, the pastor said. By the way, it's illegal for a convicted murderer to have a gun, but you can get it anyway. Again, it's not the gun, it's the person. Instead, Greg Abbott, like everyone else, joins with the agenda of letting out the criminal, the known criminal, the open criminal, Antifa, criminal aliens criminals with criminal records, and then taking away guns. Or talking about white supremacism. It turns out Hubert was paroled from prison in 2010. He served 21 years of a life sentence, which according to the way the Texas Department of Criminal Justice classifies inmates, that's not even half of a sentence, said Andy Can with Crime Stoppers. None of this should have happened, could have been prevented. 
According to the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, from January 2017 through June 2018, that's about a year and a half, 355 inmates serving time for first-degree murder were paroled. 80 of those killers paroled dur during that year and a half period were paroled here to Harris County. Folks, that is Red Texas. This is not Maryland or New York or California, New Jersey. This is Texas. First-degree murderers are being paroled. And you, Greg Abbott, have the nerve to talk about, oh, we need second chances for criminals. What about first chances for victims of crimes? What about first getting tough on those that we all agree are violent criminals? Again, I've said this again and again and again. Just in one year, 6,013 murder cases went uncleared by federal law, by, by law enforcement. 79,310 rape cases. 206,091 robbery cases, 349,000 349, aggravated assault cases. Those are just the ones uncleared. I mean, that, that's about, what, 700,000 violent crimes under anyone's definition, and those were completely uncleared. Remember, if you have multiple assailants and one of them is, is convicted, that is called a cleared case, even if the others get off. Remember, if the guy gets nothing but probation, that's called a cleared case. So this doesn't even account for all those who are undersentenced. Oh, we have an over-incarceration problem, Daniel. Where the hell is people like Greg Abbott when it comes to this? And here's, here's the thing about this much-vaunted, successful Texas criminal justice system. Like everything else, Crime bottomed out to record lows in 2011 because we actually incarcerated people. Violent crime since then has increased every year in Texas, culminating with a 6.9% increase from 2015 to 2016. That is higher than the national average. Homicides skyrocketed by 12.2%. This is from my notes here. 12.2% in 2016 and by 30.8%. Homicides skyrocketed by 30.8% since 2011. Rapes increased by 10.3% in 2016 and 31.7% since 2011. Robberies increased by 4.4% in 2016 and by 16.4% since 2011. Aggravated assaults increased by 7.7% in 2016. Texas passed a bunch of leniencies and instituted early release programs when 2009, 2011, and 2015. So there you go, folks. Yet Greg Abbott is concerned about the criminals. And this is what's so extreme and indefensible about this jailbreak movement, which is the entire conservative movement. At least be balanced about it. If you want to have some leniencies, what about closing the loopholes on violent criminals that we should all agree should be locked up? But evidently, we don't all agree. When it comes down to it, they won't say it outright. But the Koch brothers and the Texas Public Policy Foundation and people like Greg Abbott, there's pretty much not a dime's worth of difference between them and Bernie Sanders on the issue of crime. That is a colossal shift in politics that you all need to be aware of. We have this all the time. All the time this stuff is going on. Let's see what else we got here. 
This is a case from California from last week, AP article. The gunman who killed a California Highway Patrol officer Monday had a lengthy criminal record, including serving a decade in prison for attempted murder. His wife, however, maintains her husband wasn't a monster and was a loving father who helped raise eight children before he was killed by police. The cop killer, identified Tuesday as Aaron Luther, 49 of Beaumont, was driving a white GMC pickup truck Monday when he was stopped by a motorcycle officer on an overpass in Riverside. Officer Andre Moye Jr., 34, was filling out paperwork to impound the vehicle when Luther, who was not restrained, pulled out a rifle and began shooting. Hey, I thought California has tough gun laws. The officer was fatally wounded, but managed to call for backup. Two responding officers were also shot in the leg before authorities shot and killed Luther. Moya was rushed to a hospital where he died from his injuries. See, you won't, you won't hear about this. But here, here's the history on this guy. Luther had been convicted for a lengthy list of crimes, including disturbing the peace, vandalism, battery, stalking, unlawful possession of a firearm, assault with a deadly weapon, and corporal injury on a spouse. As a felon, he was not supposed to have a gun. And his father, Dennis Luther, said he's not sure how his son came to possess one. Luther was paroled from state prison in 2004 after serving about 10 years of a 12-year sentence for attempted second-degree murder with an enhancement for the use of a firearm, first-degree burglary, and second-degree burglary, according to the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitations. Court records show Luther was arrested again in 2007 on felony assault charges and took no contest plea deal that sentenced him to 90 days in jail. He also was charged with multiple felonies in San Bernardino County, and pleaded no contest in 2010 to assault with a deadly weapon. See, we have people, and this is not even drug charges, assault, battery, robbery, burglary, attempted murder, again and again, let out, early sentence, weak sentence to begin with, then let out early from that sentence, then has probation, violates the probation with more violent crimes, serves 90 days. Why is there no talk about this? Look, I'm willing to shake hands. If you want to find a few people you feel are over-incarcerated, I could talk about that. But then you need to talk about equally with as much passion the 50 times more people that we should all agree are violent, even beyond drug charges. And they're not locked up. And notice how all of them get guns, even in blue states. I don't understand what is so hard for Republicans to have a relentless focus on crime and criminals, and criminal aliens in sanctuary cities. The breakdown of the rule of law, the anarchy of Antifa. We could crush the other side on law and order, public safety and security. Instead, Republicans are seeding this issue, agreeing to the left on it, agreeing to them on guns, agreeing to them on casting wide nets on constitutional rights. This is the problem when you have a fake conservative movement. They do more for the left than the left could accomplish by themselves. This is unbelievable. This is what I ask you folks. What would happen if Republicans would have tomorrow 80 Senate seats, 500 House seats, and the presidency? Someone like Trump or a non-Trump Republican, whatever. What is it you want to do? Here is a thought exercise. If you consider yourself a Republican, a conservative, let's say you had all of the electoral power you ever wanted. What is it you would want to do? We here at Conservative Review have been publishing these long lists, 15 ideas in security, 15 ideas in economics. We've been publishing these ideas. I know exactly what I would want to do. 
But what is it we stand for? We don't have a movement left. This is part of the problem. It's just reactive to the left, but ironically agreeing to the left on so many issues. What is it we want to do? Um, we want criminal justice reform. Here's my problem. If Soros is right on everything, according to conservatives, he's right on the border, he's right on crime, he's right on civil liberties, he's right on the homosexual agenda, everything he does, he's right. So why do we need a conservative movement? Why do we need the Koch brothers? Why do we need Greg Abbott? The left is doing a good enough job on their own. Is it too much to ask that if we're going to have another party, we give an alternative competing vision? We discuss different issues. We debunk their premises and we say, no, this is the public safety agenda. This is the national security agenda. This is, you know, a civil rights and civil liberties agenda. Not a faint and pathetic echo of what the left is putting out. We need bold colors, not pale pastels. I'm just sick of saying hearing from people, Daniel, you're wrong. We need criminal justice reform. And, and these are people in conservative think tanks, so to speak, Republican officials, conservative uh, you, you know, media figures. So go join the Democrats then. I mean, they're doing a good enough job. Join Cory Booker and Kamala Harris and, and uh, Bernie Sanders. Could you leave us alone so we could actually have a competing vision? Who needs the duopoly? But this is the problem. Republicans are seeding this agenda to a bunch of anarchists. They're seeding the agenda, and somebody needs to stop this. We have anarchy, we have the breakdown of rule of law, and Republicans out to lunch. Again, sanctuaries. We're going to get back to this this week. Endless cases of child molesters, of murderers, triple homicide from an illegal alien in North Carolina nobody's talking about. Because of sanctuaries that Mecklenburg County there won't turn people over. That's a problem. That's a violation of federal law. And there's nothing more within the proper role of the federal government than immigration law. And yet in two weeks when the critters come back from Congress, almost two weeks from today or to tomorrow, it's all going to be the Democrat gun control agenda from Republicans. Trump's going to echo that as well. What about an agenda on sanctuaries, on the border, on criminal aliens, on repeat offenders, on drug traffickers, fast-track death penalty, closing all the judicial loopholes that allow violent criminals who committed a crime beyond the shadow of a doubt getting off or getting undersentenced? What about meeting with victims of crime for once? Nobody, nobody does this. I mean, this is the Republican governor of Texas that is singularly focused on criminals. Who needs Antifa when you got Republicans? This is unbelievable. So we're going to have more on this in the coming days. There's also a lot, lot of news at the border. Hopefully we'll have a guest on tomorrow. But uh, send me your thoughts if you disagree with me. Could email me at dhorowitz at blazemedia.com. Tweet me at armconservative. I'm not against looking at one or two things in the criminal justice system. 
but you can't take a system that for every one person that you think is over sentenced, there are so many violent people that never serve in jail and they're out and you're like, we're too strong. And it's always about the criminal. The criminal needs a second chance. The criminal, wait, let's at least have a 50-50 approach with victims of crime and violent criminals. The sad reality is groups like the Texas Public Policy Foundation do not believe in incarceration. It's not about nonviolent, okay? That's a joke. We already debunked that. The numbers show very clearly that's not what's fueling the prison population. If we actually successfully found and convicted all of the people we all officially agree are violent, the population would swell. Now, it really wouldn't because if we would start doing that, it would actually finally have a deterrent. But we don't do that. We never did that, even at the peak of incarceration. Again, these are the truths, the truth bombs you're not going to hear anywhere else. But that's why you come here. We have a breakdown of the fundamental guarantees of our government. And at the same time, when they ignore known violent criminals, whether they're in the criminal justice system, whether they're criminal aliens, whether it's the cartels at the border, whether it's sanctuary cities, whether it's Antifa roaming loose and just throwing concrete. Um, you know, in cities like Portland, police are hands out, hands back. But, you know, if you or I would try to carry a 15-round a, a um, magazine in one of the states that now banned it, like New Jersey, Believe me, we'd be sent to jail. Flood our communities with anarchy and criminals and take away our rights. We need a party standing against that proposition, not a faint and pathetic echo, a pale pastel. Almost a half a century after Reagan came this close to knocking off Gerald Ford and then coming back the next year at CPAC saying, we need bold colors. It's time we really re-examine 50 years later how we have failed at establishing that bold colored agenda within this wretched Republican party and how it's getting worse and worse. What we're doing is not working. We need to think of something new. We need to think of a new agenda, a new way of messaging it, and most importantly, a new vehicle through which to promote a true pro-constitutional republic agenda. Till tomorrow, thank you for listening. God bless.